0: Hi everybody. Welcome to this webinar where we're discussing the key changes to the 2017 edition of the Guide to Traffic Management Part 5, Road Management. It's a pleasure to have you all here with us today. My name's Elena Gardner, and I'm the moderator for today's session. If you're experiencing any technical issues, get in touch by using the chat box in your webinar toolbar and I'll try and help you out. So today's webinar is proudly brought to you by Austroads. Austroads supports its member organisations to deliver an improved road transport network. Austroads members are collectively responsible for managing 900,000 kilometres of roads valued at more than $20 billion. Our collective approach delivers value for money, encourages shared knowledge, and drives consistency for road users. So a little bit of housekeeping. Today's presentation will run for approximately 25 minutes, which will be followed by a 15 minute Q&A. We will send you a link to the recording of today's session in a couple of days, um, which will also include a link to today's presentation slides but you can also download the slides now in the handout section of your toolbar. We really encourage you to participate in today's webinar. You can ask the presenter a question at any time throughout the session by typing into the questions box in your sidebar. If you could include the slide number your question relates to, this will help us to answer your question accurately during the Q&A session. So if you'd like access to the 2017 edition of Guide to Traffic Management Part 5, the guide is available from the Ostroads Publications website via the link shown on this slide. Staff from mem- Austroads member organisations can download PDF versions of the guides for free. This includes staff from all state and Territory road agencies and local councils in Australia and New Zealand. If you don't have your access code, drop us an email at austrodes.com.au from your work email and request your login details and we'll send those through. I'll just briefly mention too, Ostros um, is undertaking a project at the moment to deliver all of the Ostros guides online as HTML resources. Um, that work will be finished by mid-2018 Um, And at that stage we're going to transition to uh, making all of the guide content freely available on the website and we're really excited about that project. So um, I'd like to introduce you now to today's presenter, uh, David Green. David is a senior engineer with the Australian Road Research Board and is based in Melbourne. He has 15 years experience in the road and traffic industry in both the public and private sector. His traffic experience includes the application of traffic management techniques, road safety improvements, and road network capacity analysis. He is also the lead author of the new guide to traffic management, Part Five. Hi, David, and welcome.
1: Hi, Elena, and thank you for that introduction. Thanks. And um, have you handed over the screen? Yep. I have, okay. Yes. No problem. Thank you. Okay. Well. Um, Thank you all for joining today and, um, and today we'll, we'll, we'll provide a, an overview of some of the um, key updates uh, that we made to the recent, or to the Guide to Traffic Management Path 5, which Elena um, outlined is, is now published. So um, essentially the agenda we'll go through uh, today, uh, it's a bit of a, on your screen now, so it's, we'll talk about the introduction and the purpose of the webinar, um, then uh, the philosophy of the Osroad's Guide to Traffic Management some of the key changes, the structure, um, conclusion and, and and take any questions you might have on, on the guide. So essentially, um, Yoss Road's Guide to Traffic Management Part 5 discusses traffic management issues and treatments related to road, road mid-blocks. So it's just one part of 13 parts of the Guide to Traffic Management series. So this one just specifically r- relates to traffic management on the, on the mid-blocks, and more of a focus towards the arterial road mid-blocks as, to, as, as opposed to uh, local streets. So the guide was updated in 2017 as part of Ausroads Project NCM 2081, and this webinar provides an overview of the key changes uh, to the guide. <clears throat> so it wasn't a, a one-man, one-man job. This was a, a job done by a, a project team, and so, essentially, you had the Osroads project manager, which was Kamal Wiratunga from Main Roads WA, and then myself and and Kenneth Lewis here at ARB um, looked after the actual um, guide update and and bringing the contents in. But as part of doing that, we also consult with a an Osroads working group made up of representatives across each um, each of the road agencies, and and they're listed on your screen there. But because this um, guide had um, safety implications we also had some safety representatives um, from the from the road agencies as as inputs into that working group so essentially the philosophy of of the guide to traffic management part five is to provide traffic management guidance with respect to the mid block and to also to refer to other Osroad's guide where content is best addressed so one of the i guess the um, one of the ideas around the OSRO's Guide to Traffic Management is we try not to repeat content across guides. So sometimes it, it needs to be referred to under parts of the guide where, where that content or where that guidance is, is best addressed. So this is what um, the Guide to Traffic Management Part 5 tries to do, tries to refer to other parts of the Guide to Traffic Management, but then also other parts of the Guide to Road Safety and the Guide to Road Design. They're the, they're the main ones that are that refers to. There's obviously other uh, OSRO's Guidance around, uh, but they're the main ones. Um, and so the guidance is limited to, to good practice rather than mandatory practice, which is addressed in the Australian Standards. So I guess who is the Guide to Traffic Management Part 5 for? Essentially it's for those wishing to seek Osrods endorsed guidance on how to manage and operate the mid-blocks of roads in a context of road space allocation, lane management and speed, As particularly that later one, Speed, that had a, um, a lot of... Um, updates done to it, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, But specifically it's for practitioners in charge of the management and operations of mid-blocks, consultants wishing to advise those practitioners, researchers wishing to understand the endorsed practice in which to evolve further in the future, and then also students and society wishing to understand and learn how mid-blocks are managed and and operated. So it has a wide audience out there. Bit of the the structure and some of the key changes to the to the guide to traffic management part five, and we'll go into each of these areas um, next. But just as a quick overview, so the introduction um, was major update with some new content. So when we say major major as opposed to minor major update, is where there's I guess. New new content being added, like new paragraphs or new sections, new subsections. Uh, minor content is more where there might just be a bit of a change in in some of the wordings and stuff like that. Uh, so then you had uh, section two, access management. So we did some minor content changes there. Uh, section three on road space requirements for general traffic traffic use. That was a restructure and additional content. Um, Section four, allocation of road space between road users. We did a restructure and additional content there. So three and four was actually combined in the previous version. So we split that up into two sections uh, and we'll talk a bit about that later. Um, Section five was on lane management. So we did some minor content changes there. Um, And then section six, speed limits. Uh, So that was section five previously, but because we split Section 3 into 3 and 4, that kind of moved it down to Section 6. And then we did some major updates there with some new content. And then with the appendices, we put in some additional appendices as well. So I'll go through um, each of those sections in a, in a bit of detail now. Um, so essentially Section 1 um, was the introduction. So this provides an introduction to to the guide part. It puts the guide part in the context of the guide to traffic management series. I guess some of the key changes here is we brought into the concept of around movement and place and network operation planning that was referred to into GTM Part Four, network management. We brought that in um, to to the GTM Part Five uh, as a way because it, that 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 content has I guess relationships to to how you manage the road network in terms of um, for the mid bike in terms of speed and road space allocation. Um, then there's also mobility and access and, and other strategies and, and the safe system. So I'll talk a little bit about, I guess, that movement in place and network operation planning in the next few slides. So essentially, I guess, those that may not be aware of movement in place, and it's a bit of a new concept that we kind of brought into the Guide to Traffic Management Part 4, but we also need to kind of refer to it in Part 5 in the introduction because it, it, it provides the... I guess, the framework for which to manage the the mid-block. And essentially, the the movement of place framework recognises that roads serve two primary roles for the user. That is to facilitate movement of people and goods and to act as places for people. So the movement function is determined by the strategic significance of the road within the network. And this is identified by by the volume of people and goods moved and the longer journeys that it serves. So movement includes all forms of of movement, including those of pedestrians and cyclists, and then on the other hand, there's the place function. So the place function is determined by the strategic significance and community value of a place. So roads can be places, and are often located within areas such as urban activity centres, strip shopping centres, transport hubs, educational institutes, and community centres. So in your mind, you're probably, with that brief description, you can you can probably think of roads that you go through every day or travel every day that serve a movement function and serve a place function. But I guess the degree to which a road facilitates the movement of, of people and goods and act, or acts as a place for people varies depending on the road with some acting as purely a movement facilitators and some acting as places and, then, and, and others providing I guess a mix of a movement and place to varying degrees as indicated in this figure. And, and we'll go through some of the key ga- categories in the next few slides. So... I guess a road that might be more of a movement, so that's a designated movement with no place aspect. So this will kind of move people and goods rapidly over long distances with, with motorways playing a strategically significant function with the road network. So I guess a typical kind of movement corridor is a, a motorway. <clears throat> I guess a, a, a road with significant movement in some place so that provides, I guess, safe, reliable and efficient movement between and within regional centres and urban arterials, er- urban areas. So an example of that would be a major arterial road. You also got significant movement with significant place aspects. So that's where there's a high demand for movement and high pedestrian activity with often limited road space, resulting in vibrant streets within urban and regional areas. So that might be like a main road through a CBD. Um, So something like a a King Street or something like that in Melbourne. Um, Then you've got some movement with some place aspects. So the streets where people live their lives and that facilitate local access to the community. So that's kind of like a a local road um, type environment. Um, Then you've got some movement with significant place aspects. So that would be high pedestrian activity and lower levels of, of vehicle movement create places Uh, where people enjoy and attract visitors and a place's community's value. So I guess a a good example is like a strip shopping centre. The other aspect um, that we updated was around the accessibility. Um, So this kind of ties back into, from a movement perspective, um, the road provides, I guess, mobility, which is concerned with the movement of through traffic and is focused on the efficient movement of people and freight and then also provides access which relates to the ease with with which traffic uh, from land abutting roads can enter or leave the road. So I guess while the movement of place framework provides the general principles of a network, a network operation plan aims to provide or aims to guide the operation and development of road transport networks towards managing competing priorities. So accessibility based NAP tries to extend, I guess, the traditional network operation planning by focusing on targeting on targeted road users such as private motorists, transit users, pedestrians, cyclists and freight operators and their journeys rather than just um, focusing on the links. So by extending the, the network operation planning process to journeys, it looks at travel time and journey level service in addition to traditional network operation planning, measures such as mobility, safety, access, information and amenity and then this can be used to inform the development and operational strategies and treatment. So it was key to kind of get that into um, GTM Part 5 uh, because that then provides, I guess, the basis to which you you manage your your, your mid-blocks. So that's what we tried to do with um, Section 1 on on the introduction. So then section two um, was on access management. So this highlighted the importance of of access uh, management in achieving safety and efficiency outcomes for the mid-block of the road and various modifications were made including the addition of guidance relating to the treatments used uh, for access management. Uh, Section three uh, was road space requirements for general uh, traffic use. And so this discussed um, the various road space requirements for general traffic use with various content changes made including the addition of new gui- new guidance um, the presentation format also changed um, from I guess the table format um, to section and text uh, format so if you look at the old version and look at the new version you you'll kind of 'll see that change uh, but one of the other things we we changed here was we just split. Um, the existing um, section into two sections, so Section 3 talks about the road space allocation for general traffic use and now Section 4 goes into road space allocation uh, for road users. So that probably leads me on to Section 4, uh, so allocation of road space between road users. So this discusses the various road space requirements of different road users and comprises a content split from Section 3. Um, and various content changes made, including the addition of new new guidance. And then we also um, used, changed the presentation format as well, so from the table format to a section and, and text uh, format. So this one of the, I guess, the things we kind of brought in uh, to GTM Part 5. And actually it came about, um, we actually developed this graph in when we updated GTM part four but it was felt that it, its home resided in in part five so um, it originally was placed in the commentary of part four with the intention to bring it into the um, into the body of, of part five so that's what we did so th- essentially this figure provides I guess some guidance around the minimum requirements for the separation of cyclists and motor vehicles uh, for the preferred um, bicycle route. So it's, um, that's, that's a, a key part, it's for the preferred bicycle route. So this figure gives guidance as to where separation should be provided if an agency wishes to make the route suitable for cyclists in order to designate the route as a preferred bicycle route. So it's, the figure's not suggesting that in those scenarios the bicycle treatments, that those bicycle treatments needs to be applied so only the treatment's suitable to make the road a preferred bicycle route for different road environments. So if we look at the figure now, you can kind of see if we take um, an 85th percentile speed of a road environment of, say, 50, 50 kilometres an hour and it has low, low traffic volumes, then if, if, if a road agency wants to make that a preferred cycle route, then this figure kind of indicates that you need to provide a cycle lane or a hard shoulder. Um, if it was lower speed, uh, with low um, low traffic volumes, then a shared carriage way uh, could be could be suitable. Um, if you wanted to, if you had low low speeds, say fifteen k's, but you had a high high volume, then you start to look towards the cycle lane and, and hard shoulder. Uh, but that's a, as I said, this is only where you might want to make it a preferred bicycle route. So it just provides guidance on on what those type of treatments. Um, should be considered if, if you want to make it the preferred bicycle route. And you will also notice, I guess, with these figures, there's not a clear distinction between each of the zones. It's a little bit blurred. And So that's trying to kind of capture that there needs to be some engineering judgment applied as to where, um, where you put in these facilities. And you also need to consider, I guess, the network operation planning objectives of um, the various users of, of that road. And then that can help shape... Um, what treatment? Uh, you, what treatment you may you may put in if you want to have a preferred bicycle route. Um, in addition to, I guess, this information, uh, you need to also consider, I guess, the, the Australia's Guide to Road Design Part Three for information on on the design of the on-road bicycle lanes as well. Um, so then, Section Five on lane management, so this discussed the general lane management principles for, for different practices and we didn't really do any significant changes um, to the to the guide in, in this section, so um, not really mu- too much to talk about um, today on that. Um, section 6 on speed limits, so this one we actually did a little bit of a, or a fair bit of update on. So, This section provides guidance on speed limits, including the importance of speed in a safe system and in the setting of speed limits. Um, So the main change was the inclusion of revised guidance on the establishment of speed limits, and this aligns the setting of speed limits in order to better support the safe system approach by reducing the consequences in the presence of a high risk, i.e. high harm reduction approach, recognising the mobility role of different road functions, reducing speed limits on high-risk roads where engineering treatments are not feasible and minimising the frequency of speed zone changes. So some of the key things we did here was that uh, we provided new guidance on localised speed limit reductions at high-risk intersections, the need to support active travel, shared spaces and activity centres through speed limits, uh, minimising the speeds speed zone lengths, so to try to minimise um, the amount of changes in speed limits, and the use of electronic speed limit signs in school zones and high pedestrian activity areas. So we tried to provide some guidance around those um, those key elements. Um, we also, so with the speed limits, um, urban roads, risk, uh, risk-based speed selection of, of speed limits, so we try to Provide an example, an application, so you can you can select your speed limits based on on a risk-based um, process, which aligns with with the safe systems um, thinking. And so, I've got a bit of a work example of of how to apply that. So, how to use this guide uh, to to help in the selection of speed limits based on risk-based in the in the next few slides. So essentially, if you're familiar with um, GTM Part 5 as it is, so we've got table 6.4. Uh, so there's a few tables in there, but this one is on for urban roads. Uh, and so this shows, I guess, how to consider um, the speed limit um, using, I guess, a risk, risk-based approach. So this, that's the table as, as we've got in um, the current guide at the moment, and we'll just kind of uh, work, work through that. In the next few slides so essentially what you do is you select a typical speed limit uh, so that's based on the public's expectations of mobility given the road category and function uh, you assess the, the severe crash risks so check for consistent presence of severe crash risk factors across four categories so high severe crash rates per kilometre of travel road use and user issues recognised high risk road engineering features and speed's not suited for the road environment and its users and its users. So if there's none of those risks, then you retain this, the typical speed limit. But if there's one or more, then you then you apply in the that framework, you, you reduce the speed limit uh, to to one of the harm reduction options. So essentially here I've just got a bit of an example of how you might do that. So down the bottom, there's a, I guess, a picture of a, of a typical, of, of a road environment, <coughs> for example. And so if we look at those, um, I guess, the considerations. So at the moment, the functional speed limit of that road probably 80K, 80 k, 80 kilometres an hour, as it's divided arterial. So that's its function. Um, in that, on that particular road environment, there isn't really a high crash rate there. You've got 1.3 crash. Rate per kilometre over five years, so that's considered quite low. Uh, but one of the, the aspects here is you've got road use and road user and user factors. So you've got pedestrians, cyclists, parking, intersections and access along that stretch of road. Uh, and then in terms of road feature risk factors, you've got frequent intersections, roadside hazards and narrow lanes. So those two things are considered to be a risk. Those are two separate risks. Um, speed, there's not a lot of... Um, Speed problems there. You've got the 50th percentile speed at 78 kilometres and the 85th percentile speed at 83. So, I mean, that's kind of in in alignment with the the functional speed limit. So that's not considered a major risk. But you've got those two risks around the road use and user factors and road feature risk factors. So if we go back to our table, (coughs) you can kind of see here that you've got the... The pedestrians, cyclists, parking, intersections and access risk and then you've got the frequent intersections, roadside hazards and narrow lanes. And so, if it, so for that particular example you've got those two risks but you only need one. Uh, so therefore um, it is recommended to reduce the speed limit, speed limit down to uh, 60 kilometres uh, per hour. So essentially, I guess that provided a bit of a overview of some of the the key, the key things we did in the um, in, in terms of the guide update we also did some um, added some some more content to the, to the appendices and that was just around um, referring to some to some research done um, and I 'm just opening it up now <clears throat> So excuse my paper shuffling That's around just bringing in some recent research done particularly around achieving safe system speeds on urban arterial roads It's a compendium of good practice so that listed a bunch of treatments uh, um, that could be used to address address um, speeds on 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 roads both for the urban arterials and and the, and the rural roads so we thought that was good um, good guidance, so we, we put that into the, um, into the appendix there, so, uh, so that provides, a, I guess, a good reference uh, for, for practitioners. So essentially, I guess, <coughs> the, the guide is now updated and it's available um, through the Osroads website, so I encourage um, the users out there to, to download it and, um, and, um, and look at it and, and try to apply it in your everyday work. Uh, and so just in summary, I guess the latest version incorporates findings of recent Ausroads research, so we're bringing it all up to date, um, particularly around the, the concepts of movement and place, network cooperation and planning, and in particular setting of speed limits uh, to suit the role and function of the road in the context of the safe system. So I'm happy to take um, some questions um, right now, but if you don't have any questions right now, I'm happy to... Um, taken via email or telephone, so my contact details are there, but um, I'll hand it over to, um, to the audience to feel free to ask some questions and, and Elena will help um, moderate that process. So thank you.
0: Great. Thanks, David. That was a great overview of um, the update made to the guide. At this stage we've just got a couple of questions. So guys, if you do have any questions, please do send them through and we'll we'll answer them in this session. So um, on slide 25, the um, the new ch- uh, figure showing um, the bicycle lanes, that it seems that physical separation is suggested at a lower speed than the previous guidance. Is that is that right, David?
1: Are you, then the previous, um, yeah. Then the, <coughs> the previous version of the of the guide to traffic management, it, it would right. be, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's just trying to bring it in line with, I guess, four safe system principles. So it's trying to protect protect uh, the vulnerable road user. But I'll I'll add in there that, that that's like this guidance here is for where a a road agency or a um, or local government wishes to designate a route as the preferred bicycle route. So that's the key point about the preferred um, bicycle route. So it's not suggesting that you do that, you do that everywhere. It's only where you want to do it as the preferred bicycle route. So it's talking about what kind of facilities would be ideal from a cyclist's perspective uh, for the preferred bicycle route. So, yeah, there is a bit more, I guess, emphasis for um, separating um, the bicycles from, from the vehicles.
0: And so that previous guidance um in Guide to Traffic Management was was sort of a general guidance rather than that um the preferred route. So that's a, that is a quite a significant change, isn't it, in the guide? Yeah, yeah that's
1: right. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. Um also slide thirty three, uh it seems Do you want me that... to flick back right away? Or... Uh I can I can flick back actually. Okay. I've taken over control now. <laughs> Um so, yeah, are you expecting that speeds will be generally lower using the new approach to risk factors in the guide?
1: But I mean potentially I guess it's <clears throat> it's probably slowing down speeds where where the risk factors are present if there if they're at, if there's not i guess a risk um, factor um, if there isn't a risk there then. Then the um, then the speed limits um, then the typical speed limits could be maintained, but what it's trying to do is trying to lower uh, speeds based on the actual um, level of risk of an action of a of crashes happening. So it's trying to be a bit more proactive uh, rather than rather than reactive. Yeah.
0: Great. Okay. Um, another question for so the setting of speed limit recommendations. Do you get good buy-in from the state agency representatives? I understand that New South Wales um, is reviewing their own guidelines for setting speed limits. Do you know if they will have similarities between the New South Wales guidance and the Austrox guidance?
1: Uh, we we hope so. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, this is, I guess... Yeah, I mean you still i guess there still needs to be i guess engineering uh judgment and we also you also need to still consider i guess the, the network operation planning well, i guess what these guidance does is, is try to tries to provide guidance is, i guess there will always be um, applications where you, you might you might need to deviate one way or the other and so what I guess network operation planning tries to do is it it, it separates the the level of services into the different elements so mobility and safety and all that um so yeah i mean if you if you reduce the speed limits um you 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 do have an impact on um mobility in in some some cases but but yeah so it kind of still needs that engineering judgment as to where you um where you do uh reduce the, the speed limits um but this just kind of provides guidance as to how you might uh, manage that from a from a risk um, a risk based uh, perspective.
0: Great. Okay. Thanks. Well, look, that's they're the questions we have at the moment. I'll keep an eye on the question um, box. So if anybody does have any more questions, please do send them through. We've just got a couple of um, closing slides. So if anybody comes in, I'll jump. In um, and let you know. But just before we do close, we thought it would be a good idea just to let you know of the upcoming webinars that we have. Um, you can see uh, a list of those webinars uh, on the event page of our website once we have bet, um, sort of bedded down the dates. So at this stage, uh, we've got coming up in September, on the 26th of September, a webinar about prioritising on road public transport. Um, the report just came out yesterday, and uh, you can now register for that webinar online. And then in October and November, we've got a bunch of webinars coming up on updates to guide to traffic management. Uh, part 13 was just published this morning. Uh, David, who's been presenting today, was the lead author of that part as well. So that's, um, remind me of roadside safety, David? Part 13?
1: Yeah, right environment safety.
0: Yep. Right environment safety, great. And so we'll be having a webinar um, on that. Um, some other other upcoming webinars, we've, um, in October we'll be releasing a report on the safety benefits of connected and automated vehicles. Uh, there'll be hopefully two webinars on that subject, one looking at the research findings and the other looking at uh, some of the trials that are happening in the jurisdictions. So it should be quite interesting. And we've got a combined webinar coming up on intersections, and that will be looking at Guide to Traffic Management, Part 6, and Guide to Road Design, Part 4. Uh, So yeah, some good stuff coming up. Um, Some of the feedback that we've had from people is that they would really like us to be running some webinars, um, not necessarily based on recent publications that have come out. Uh, We're definitely open to that. And um, if there are particular subjects um, or topics that you'd like us to uh, maybe pull in some um, experts on and have a presentation on, please let us know. Um, And we've put a question into the uh, feedback uh, survey that you'll get when we close today's webinar, asking you if there are particular topics that you'd like us to cover. So please do fill in that survey, it's really helpful for us to understand um, how we're going with the webinars. And that's pretty much it for today, so thank you, thanks David, that was a great presentation and thank you everybody for joining us today. We hope you enjoy uh, the rest of your day. Okay, thank you. Thanks, bye.